when I was a kid, we went over to a lady's house, a family in our church, and, and she had this bowl of fruit on her table. And, uh, and she had you know, told us, make ourselves at home and all of that. And so my mom had set us down at the table, and I saw those grapes, and I reached over to grab one, and it just kind of went like, you know, it wasn't a real grape. It was plastic. It was fake, and, and it just squeezed in my hand, and, and I couldn't eat it. It wasn't, well, I mean, I probably could have, but uh, it wasn't real. And I don't, want, I don't want something that's fake. And when it comes to our Christian lives, don't you hate fake? So many people live such a fake Christianity. And it turns people away from Christ. It turns people away from the cross. It turns people away from the church. And, 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 and what, a, what a terrible testimony for us if, if we are the kind that are living a fake Christianity. We're, we're just fake. We're, we're faux Christians. God doesn't want us to be fake. He wants us to be real. He wants, I, I'm glad that He doesn't give us a fake salvation. Now, there, there is a fake salvation that Satan will offer you. Satan will offer uh, lots that's fake. He'll offer a fake salvation. He'll offer a fake uh, spiritual life. He'll offer uh, fake uh, Christianity. There's so much that's fake that's out there. But God wants to offer us the real thing. Now, when we come to Matthew chapter 21 here, let's turn, let's turn to Matthew 21, and we're going to look down in verse 18 and uh, read just a few verses for this morning's, uh, this morning's message. Uh, Matthew 21, looking down in verse 18, the Bible says, Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. Jesus, uh, Jesus was all God, but he, but he was all man at the same time. Uh, I, I can't really explain that to you other than the fact that because he's all God, he could be all man as well. And uh, Jesus uh, woke up that, that morning... And, it's, and he's, he's about to go back into the city, but like you and me, whenever he gets up in the morning, he's hungry. I mean, many times when our boys, most every morning when our boys wake up, I mean, they're, they're barely getting out of bed before they're talking about how hungry they are. And uh, just hungry. And Jesus got up that morning and he's about to go back into the city and he's hungry. He, Jesus had a desire. Jesus uh, ha- had a desire uh, for, for food. And, he, and he's walking along, headed to the city. And the Bible says, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it. Jesus was hungry, and he sees a fig tree, and he walks over to it. And he, he had a desire. He was hungry. And he wanted to eat some figs. Now, being God, he knew there were no figs on it, but he walked over there because he had an important lesson to teach. He walked over there, and in his desire, he wanted something from this fig tree that the fig tree did not produce. We see his desire, and then we see his disappointment. The Bible says, and found nothing thereon but leaves only. As I was studying for for this, I found that there are a couple of different, uh, several different varieties of fig trees, and and this particular type of fig tree that would grow there in in Israel uh, would often produce the uh, produce figs before the leaves at a certain season of the year. 
And, uh, but whenever the leaves were, were all out and, and it had grown and produced all the leaves, that was a sign that there are figs on this tree. And so Jesus walks over and he sees this fig tree with leaves all over it, but no fruit. He was disappointed. But then we see, thirdly, his declaration. Now, don't think that I'm, I'm already on the third point of the message. This is just introductory points, so you know, get settled in. We're going to be here for just a few minutes. Uh, but his declaration, his declaration was this. He said, uh, he said, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. So he has a desire. He walks over to this fig tree. He sees the leaves all on it, but no figs. And he says, let no fruit grow on you from now on and the fig tree withered away see a fig tree is a fig tree exists to produce figs an orange tree exists to produce oranges an apple tree exists to produce apples and and when these fruit trees are not producing the fruit that uh, that they are that they are designed to produce then they are no good in, in fact, over in the book of Luke, Jesus is telling about, uh, about a, a, a man who walks up to a fig tree and he sees, he sees this fig tree with no figs on it and, and he, tells, he tells his gardener, he says, dig up that fig tree, cut it down, burn it, because he says, why cumbereth it the ground? Why is it taking up space? Why is it drawing from the nutrients of the earth here just to keep it, keep it going but it's not producing any figs? It's, it's no good. It's worthless. Cut it down and burn it. The, the gardener said, said well, can I just fertilize it? Can I dig around it and fertilize it and, and kind of uh, show it a little TLC and see if it will produce some figs? And, and the, the master said, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. And he did, and it produced figs. It produced some fruit. But, the, but Jesus, uh, Jesus could have taken those steps with this one, but he had an important lesson he wanted to teach. And, 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 and here's, the, here's the lesson he's wanted to teach. He, uh, the, the Bible in the, book, in the Old Testament, it likens Israel to a fig tree. And, and Israel was the nation that God had chosen to dwell among His people, for His name to be there. And for those people to be so transformed by the presence of God in their midst that they went out and they were a testimony to the entire world of the goodness of God, His grace, His mercy, and His power, and His love. But Israel didn't do that. They didn't produce the figs of righteousness. They didn't produce the fruit of righteousness. They didn't produce the fruit of a life that, is, that, uh, that shows that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, their God, their King. What Israel produced was, was a show. They had the leaves to, to say, hey, look, we're a, we're a fig tree. But they had no fruit to back it up. They had no fruit to show that God was really at work there. They were not fulfilling the purpose for their existence. And so Jesus said, let no fruit grow on you from now on. 
The Bible tells us that, that because Israel rejected their king, because Israel did not let God work in them the way He wanted to, and because they did not serve Him the way they should have, and did not reflect to the world the goodness of God, that, all of that natural branch was cut out. And a wild olive branch has been grafted in. That's us, that's the church. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But Israel has been kind of put on the shelf, so to speak. They've just been kind of set to the side for a little bit. And God is working through the church to show the world His power and His love, His goodness, His grace. Why did Jesus... Why was Jesus dis- disappointed and why did He rebuke that fig tree? Because it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Now what can we learn from this? You know, uh, it's, it's important when you read the Bible, it's important to, to understand that while all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us, it's good for us, every promise in here is not mine. Every promise in here is not yours. God did not promise to make of you a great nation like He promised to make of, of, of Abraham. Aren't you glad that, that the promise that came to that 90-year-old Sarah that she was going to bear a son, aren't you glad that that is not a promise to you, ladies? When you're 90, right, aren't you glad? <laughs> Amen? I'm, and, and every promise in here is not us. Every instruction, every, every uh, thing that is said is not directed to us, but we can learn from it. It's profitable for us, even though it's not directed to us. And this is one of those instances. This was a a lesson that Jesus is trying to teach to Israel, but we can glean from that as the people of God, as the church of the living God, so that we we can be cautioned, we can be encouraged to do what we're supposed to do. What can we learn from this fig tree? What can we learn from Israel's example to help us to be avoid uh, help us to avoid Jesus saying you're fruitless, you're no good, and you're not going to bear fruit from now on. I don't want to be a fruitless Christian. I don't want uh, I don't want Cross Point to be uh, to be a church that withers up and dies because we're not producing fruit. The reason for our existence. So what can we learn from Israel and from this fig tree? First of all, we see, uh, we see that uh, the Bible tells us, that uh, the Bible shows us through the example of this fig tree that they were just faking it. Israel was just faking it. They, they loved to have the Ten Commandments. They loved their laws and they loved to dress in the religious garb and to do, do all the rituals. But Jesus said, these people draw nigh to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And, and it doesn't matter how much outward work we do. If the heart is not right, then we're not right. And God looks past the outward. God looks past the exterior and all the, all the outward flair. He sees directly into our hearts and He sees, is your heart right with God or are you faking it? God looked on Israel and He saw they were faking it. 
The, the religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees, they would go and, and Jesus said they, they make broad their phylacteries. Those are, uh, those are little uh, pouches that they would wear t- and tie them to their forehead with little scripture verses put in there and they would tie a pouch like that to their arm but they would make it big so everybody could see it and everybody could say, whoa, that is a spiritual person. They'd go and the Bible tells us that Jesus said they'd stand in the street corners and they'd make long prayers and they'd be loud with their prayers because they wanted people to think, oh, how spiritual. Maybe one day I can, I can attain to their level of spirituality. And who's getting the glory there? They are not God. So uh, God's, God said, hey, Israel, you're just faking it. They'd bring the sacrifices and bring the sacrifices and they'd bring the sacrifices to to, uh, try to atone for their sin, but in their heart, they were just bringing it as an excuse to go back and continue the way they'd been living. Doesn't that sound like a lot of church people today? They want to come to church because they think that coming to church is going to appease their mind and it's going to satisfy God and then they can go the rest of the week and live however they want to. But Jesus isn't just our Savior between the hours of 10 and 11 on Sunday morning. He's not just our Savior during church. He's our Savior all week long. And and He didn't come to save us so we could sin. He came to save us from our sin. Many people, many people see the way that church is done in the way that Christians, so-called Christians, do their Christianity and they're like, hey, I can fit in really well. I can go and I can sing a song that's going to make me feel real good and, and I can listen to this and I can, uh, I can even pray a prayer and say sorry and, and I'm good for a week. I can go and build up my sin account again. And I'll come and clear my conscience on Sunday morning. That's not what God intended. God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be uh, consistent. God wants us to be uh, to keep our eyes on Him and to walk with Him e- each and every day, walking in the light as He is in the light. When He saw the fig tree in the way, He came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. Romans eleven, uh, the Bible tells us. Uh, the, He's talking to the church there in Rome, the the believers in Rome. He says, Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off. He's he's saying, look, uh, Christians there in the church, he said, said, you might might feel a little little proud of yourself because, because that branch Israel was broken off so that you could be grafted in. He said, but don't get all proud and boast over that. He said, yes, it was broken off and you've been grafted in. He, he, said, he said, be not high-minded, but fear. For God spared not the natural branches. Take heed, lest He uh, also spare not thee. Just as, just as God broke off Israel from that position of blessing, God can break off any local church that does not, that does not follow His plan, that does not obey Him, that does not walk in His way and reflect Jesus Christ in their lives. We don't want to become a church of ritualism. We don't want to become a church that, that uh, just uh, makes everybody feel good just because they showed up. I want everybody to feel welcome now. 
I want everybody to feel welcome. I want them to be, I want them to feel like they're they're at home. I want them to feel like this is family. But I'll tell you, if somebody is not saved, or if somebody is, is saved, but they're not right with God, they should not feel completely comfortable. There ought to be something about the atmosphere. There ought to be something about our spirit and something about, uh, about the Spirit of God working in our midst that, allow, that helps them to feel welcome but causes them to feel uneasy in their spirit because they are not right with God. And that goes for me and it goes for you. If we're not right with God, we ought to feel uneasy. If we're allowing sin to continue in our lives, we ought to feel uneasy. If we've been acting prideful and, and living, uh, living for ourselves with a self-focus, we ought to feel uneasy when, when we gather with God's people. We ought to feel uneasy and uncomfortable when, when the Word of God is opened and the Word of God is preached and the Spirit of God is at work. Hey, we ought to feel uneasy if sin is in our lives. And it's not for the purpose of, of seeing how many people we can make feel uneasy. But the Word of God is preached and the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and applies it to our life and helps us to feel uneasy about our sin. So, not, not so we'll leave and be mad, but so we'll get it right with God. So we'll make things right. And we'll live a life that's pleasing to, to God. There's so many things. This, this week, I, I've been asked, well, over the last year or so, I've been asked a lot about, uh, about uh, certain beliefs, certain strange beliefs that people uh, encounter uh, here, and some that I had never heard about before I came out here to California. And, and, uh, and so I was doing some, doing some research, and, and you know, people, people believe the weirdest things, the strangest things. And because of our, because of our, our society's uh, mindset for uh, for toleration and for acceptance and all of that, it's it, it's we're we're looked down on and we're we're criticized when we take a stand and say and say there is only one truth, there is only one right way, and all of these others are false. They're fake. It doesn't matter how spiritual they seem. Just because they're spiritual doesn't mean it's Holy Spirit. It could be evil spirits. Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, the Bible says. Even he can look like he's doing God's bidding. But he's not, and he's not going to. And there's a lot out there that is fake. And let us not get caught up in fake Christianity and fake spirituality, but let's stay true to the Word of God and let's make sure that our lives are, are lived according to the principles of God's Word. Not so we can throw our nose up in the air and say, we're the only right ones and nobody's right but us and, and we're the best. No, hey, we're not the best. Paul said, I'm the worst of sinners. Jesus is the best of all. And our lives ought to be pointing to Him it's not that we've got we're we're the only right ones no Jesus is the right one we just get to speak his message amen hey I, it's not that Philip Jones is right it's Jesus is right and I'm just telling what Jesus said may that be our testimony at cross point
May it be your testimony. The Bible says, for every tree is known by his own fruit. Your life, your family, our church will be known by the fruit that we produce. What is being produced by Crosspoint? What is being produced by your family? What's being produced in your life? For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. You're not going to get good fruit from weeds. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get good fruit. Good fruit's going to grow in a good tree. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're likened to whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now we know what hypocrisy is. It's pretending to be what we're not. And many times we have a tendency as, as church people to pretend to be spiritual and to pretend to be godly, but God knows our heart, and we have a pretty good idea as well. Right? We're probably not as spiritual as we want people to think we are. But what about iniquity? Do you know what iniquity is? Iniquity is the desire to do wrong. It's not just the sin, but it's the iniquity of our heart. That desire that, that draws us to the sin. You know when you're driving your car and, and you, you want to te- test it a little bit to see if, it, if the, the, the front wheels need alignment and all that, sometimes you kind of loosen up on your grip a little bit and see if it pulls to one side or the other. I'm not saying just throw your hands up and let go, you know, because you need to be in control. But, uh, but you kind of loosen your grip a little bit and see if it's going to just naturally pull to one side or the other. That, that pull, the, the pull in your life towards sin, that's iniquity. It's iniquity in your heart that pulls you toward that sin, that pulls you to look at that that you shouldn't be looking at, that pulls you to be thinking those thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking, that pulls you to have an attitude that you shouldn't have, a prideful spirit or, or greediness or lust or whatever it may be. That, that draw to fake that draw to sin, that's iniquity. And Jesus rebuked the scribes and Pharisees. And many times when we read that, we think, get them, Jesus. Those hypocrites. and the, He called them snakes and vipers. Yeah, get them, Jesus. But I don't think that his spirit was hypocrites, full of iniquity. Dead men's bones, whited sepulchers, look good on the outside, but on the inside, ugh. I don't think that was his attitude. I think he was more like, guys, listen, don't you understand what, you, what you're doing? Oh, you're going through all the, all the religious rituals, and, and you look really good and really spiritual on the outside, but you're like a whited sepulcher, you're like a, a, you're like a grave, a tomb that has been that's been polished and made to look really good on the outside, but on the inside you're no better. 
In your heart, there's full, you're full of iniquity. You're full of decay and rot, just like a sepulcher. He's trying to get them to recognize what's going on in their own life, not so they get mad and huff away, but so they repent and get right with Him. So many will play the part of a Christian. They'll, they'll go through the motions. They'll do the things that Christians are supposed to do. And, but they're fake. Because they've never truly begun that relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never received Jesus as their Savior. Maybe they've just always gone to church. Or maybe they went to church and they, and they, they you know, took communion. Or they were baptized. Or they did these things. and These works that people say you do these things and God will, God will save you. But, uh, but inside, inside there's no peace. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no forgiveness of sin. There's, uh, it's, it's just faith. Jesus said there'll be many which say unto me in that day he's speaking of the day of judgment there'll be many which say unto me in that day Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name that means preached there are a lot of preachers pastors that are not going to make it to heaven Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works? Lord, look what we have done. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These people were drawn to do these things, and they were drawn to do these things using Jesus' name as they did it, but they were drawn because they wanted recognition. They wanted to impress God with what they could do. Whatever it may be, they were drawn into sin. Now, why were those things sin? Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If it's not with full faith in Jesus Christ, having trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then everything is sin. The, the Psalms uh, or the Proverbs says, even the plowing of the wicked is sin. That means there's nothing that a, that a, a person that does not have a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing they can do apart from turning to Him in faith, there's nothing they can do that is not sin. That kind, of puts, that kind of puts us in a bad state, doesn't it? Jesus said to Nicodemus, that ruler of the Jews, uh, one of the Pharisees that came to Him by night, Jesus said to him, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. He pointed his finger at that, at that religious man and said, even though you do all those good things, you must be born again. Because your good deeds won't get you to heaven. Stop faking it. Jesus, Jesus said, you must be born again. How is a person born again? By realizing it's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy that He saves us. 
A person is born again by realizing that they're a sinner and, they're, and they cannot earn salvation on their own. Uh, so they come to Jesus in faith and repentance and, and believe that, he, that the price He paid on the cross at Calvary, that that was sufficient. He, he shed His blood. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures to give us eternal life and to give us victory. And to give us hope in this life and in eternity. And He offers that gift freely to anyone and everyone. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus said stop trying to do all this good stuff to earn favor. Just come to Me and trust Me and I'll give you eternal life. Many people need to stop faking it pretending like they're a child of God, pretending like they're saved when they're truly not. There are many who are saved, but they're not living the Christian life. They're not doing as God would tell us to do in His Word. Scripture says in James, be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only. Notice what it says next, deceiving your own selves. You can, you can be saved and you can come to church and you can carry your Bible and you can smile and, and, but, and, and you can say amen. You can do all kinds of things. But if you're not doing each and every day what God's Word says, if you're not living the Christian life, if you're not living that resurrected life, that God's Word tells us that God wants us to live. dead. In, uh, we were dead in trespasses and sins, but we're alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're, we're no longer bound in chains of sin. We don't have to do those things that we once did. We don't have to serve sin any longer. We're free to serve Jesus. And being raised to walk in newness of life in Christ gives us that, gives us that freedom and it gives us that power. We have resurrection power to live for Jesus but it doesn't just happen because you're saved it happens when you make a choice to get in God's word and to see what his word says and then as you're reading his word you pray and you say God help me to do what you say teach me thy will teach me your ways and help me to live according to your word and, and as we as we have that spirit and we're going through our day and the holy spirit says whoa don't do that then we don't do that and the holy spirit prompts us to do something and we obey him see the bible says be doers of the word not hearers only deceiving your own selves it says that if you are just a hearer but not a doer it's like looking at, your, looking at your, your face in a mirror in the morning and seeing what a mess you made of yourself overnight and doing nothing about it. Walking away with your hair all this way and that and toothpaste dried on your face and, and drool and, and sleep in your eyes and just go on, you know. I mean, even, even us guys, you know, we're, we're rough and tough and, and we don't, you know, we don't primp and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I put a little something in my hair to keep it in place because it would stand all out. But, uh, uh, but even we care a little bit, don't we? We don't want, I mean, it's bad enough. We don't, people, we don't want to give people extra reasons to say, Ugh, right, when they look at us. 
So we want to do something about what we see. And as we read the Word of God, as we're sitting in church and hearing the preaching of the Word of God, as the Holy Spirit is showing us things from His Word that need to change, we need to change those things. We need to be doers of the Word, not hearers only. You know, if, if we can sit in church week after week and, and not change in our Christian walk, there's something wrong. There's something really seriously wrong. Jesus says, but whoso looketh, uh, God's Word says, of course it's Jesus saying it because He's God. Uh, God's Word says in James uh, 1 verse 25, but whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, He, being not a forgetful hearer, because if you're like me, you're going to forget as soon as you've heard it just about. But a doer of the work, not just hearing it and forgetting about it, but you do what God says for you to do. The Bible says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So here's here's takeaway number one. When it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have to fake it. Sometimes we wear ourselves out spiritually because we fake it. We're fussing and fighting all week long and get ready for church on Sunday morning and get in the car and slam the door and speed away and squall the tires, you know, and fuss at everybody all the way to church. Pull in and park and, all right, we're pulling up now. Making that announcement so everybody can put their Christian face on, right? Get out of the car and it's like, new people. Totally different. Come walking into church and acting, acting so spiritual and so nice and so gracious. And then we uh, sit in church and we enjoy church and we get back in the car and close the door. And it's hot out in the car, but our attitudes are even hotter, right? And uh, we pull away and oh, we're so tired when we go home. Because we've been faking it right we don't have to fake it when it comes to to a relationship with jesus when it comes to a walk with him and fellowship with jesus you don't have to fake it israel didn't have to fake it jesus was right there they could have received him but they'd rather continue faking it they'd rather do it their way but what did their way result in? Their way, faking it, resulted in a failure to produce. See, faking it doesn't really produce anything. You could take some of those fake apples or fake grapes and you could go and bury them in the ground and, and, and you could even water it and you could fertilize it and all of that, but those fake things are not going to... That, that plastic fruit is not going to grow a plastic fruit tree. It's just not going to because it's fake. It's not real. It's not going to produce. And fake Christianity is not going to produce Christianity. It's not going to produce the fruit of a Christian life. The Bible says, He found nothing thereon but leaves only. What, 
what does God look for when He's, when he's working in our lives and He's wanting to produce fruit? What does a fruitful Christian life look like? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit of God is, 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 is given access in our lives, when we yield to Him and He's doing His work, the, what, what He's going to produce is love. Joy. Peace. Doesn't that sound nice? The things that we're all wanting, the things that we really desire, and and the things that the world really wants. True love, peace of mind, and happiness. It's what they're looking for. Happiness is based on happenings, but joy comes from within when the Spirit of God is given freedom to work in our lives and to change us as He sees fit. And when He is given that freedom to work in us the way He wants to, He produces love. He helps us to love with godly love. That agape, godly love. Unconditional love. Charity that suffereth long and is kind. It's nice while we're being patient. Right? Sometimes sometimes we'll be patient, but we're not very nice while we're doing it, are we? But charity, godly love, is long-suffering and kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not going to promote itself and, and, to, and, and step all over everybody along the way. It's not puffed up. It's not prideful. Godly love is not all about me. Godly love is about serving others. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. And he gives us the instruction later on in in the New Testament. He says, by love serve one another. You know, if it's, it's hard to serve. It's hard to serve other people if you don't love them. But a heart of love will lead you to serve them. It will motivate you to do for them, even if they never do for you. A heart of love uh, will, will overlook the, the disrespect that, uh, that siblings uh, give to each other. Uh, a heart of love will overlook the, the unkindness that, that a spouse may, may use toward their, toward their husband or wife. And will serve anyway. A heart of love will forgive. A heart of love will lead us to serve. But they'll they'll use me as a as a floor mat. Well, you know, maybe they will. But you keep on loving and keep on serving. The Bible says when you're doing them good, when they've done you evil, it'll be like heaping coals of fire on their head. When they've just done you wrong and you forgive them and you serve them anyway, oh goodness, that has an effect on people. It may not bring immediate results, but after a while, you're going to find they get tired of they get tired of you being nice back to them when they're mean to you, and they might say, "What's your problem?" I've just been mean to you and you're doing this. What's going on? And then you know what you get to say? I'm just trying to love you like Jesus wants me to. 
What a testimony. Right? I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not using that to be snide or sarcastic or anything like that. Truly loving them anyway. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. Hey, we need some more self-control. There needs to be a lot of self-control in our world today. Maybe if Christians started modeling self-control, some other people would learn a little bit about self-control, right? Failure to produce. Then the Bible says in 2 Peter... Beside all this, beside the, the wonderful blessings that come with our salvation, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. Virtue, that's Christ-like character. So, so being saved and having your faith in Jesus Christ, add to that Christ-like character. And then add to that Christ-like character knowledge, learning more about God. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." You know, you can, you can kick your Christian life in neutral and not diligently add to your faith. And you can find yourself rolling backwards and getting further and further away from God. You know, when, when you drift, you typically drift away from Christ. And you, I've, I've had so many people come to me through the years and, and talk to me about, about things going on in their life and they and at, where years before they had trusted Christ as their savior but because they kind of kicked their christian life in neutral they began to drift they began to fake it for so long that they forgot that they really were saved you say well that could never happen to me they didn't think it could happen to them either and god's word says if you're not diligently adding to your faith, if you're not diligently working and yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit, you can get far away from God and even forget that He saved you in the first place. Hath forgotten that they were purged, that they were purged from, uh, that He was purged from His old sins, is what it says. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. How do, we deal, how do we do these things? Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. See, we need that abiding relationship, that close fellowship with Jesus to live fruitful Christian lives. Look at uh, takeaway number two. Fruitfulness only comes when we faithfully and consistently yield to the Holy Spirit. Fruitfulness in our life only comes, it, it's not going to come any other way. The fruit of a Christian life is only going to come when you and I faithfully and consistently yield to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be 
a fake fruit tree. I don't want to be a tree that has leaves that looks like I should be fruitful and is going through the actions and the motions and, and presenting myself like I, am, like I am a fruitful tree when I'm really not. So if I don't want to be fake, I need to be fruitful. And the only way to be fruitful is through consistently and faithfully yielding to the Holy Spirit. Trusting in Him. Jesus had said to the tree, let no fruit grow in you from now on, forever. And the Bible says, and presently, or very quickly, right away, the tree, it withered away. The disciples saw it and they're like, whoa, did, did you see that? I mean, they, they might have gone and, and talked among themselves, or whatever, but the next time they came back by, just a little while later, one of the other Gospels says they passed back by that tree and it was withered away. And it was pretty quickly that it happened and they were, they were amazed at, at what had happened there. But then Jesus shows them faith's potential. See, Israel had not had faith in God. They'd not lived with faith in God, and so they didn't trust Jesus as the Son of God, the King that He is for them. And, and, and uh, so, so He rebuked them. He said, look, this is what could have happened, though. And this is what can happen in your life. We see faith's potential. Number three. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done, done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Jesus said, look, if you have faith in God, if you have faith in me, Jesus is saying, that faith has potential to do some incredible and amazing things. He said, he said in fact, you, you'll be able to see things happen, not just, not just what happened to this fig tree, but if you say to a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, he said, it'll be done. Now, I've never seen anybody, uh, I've never seen a mountain be uprooted and cast into the sea. I've never seen that happen. But as we continue to study the Scriptures, comparing Scripture with Scripture, we see that, we see that prayer comes with some parameters. Alright? Jesus wants us to pray and wants us to believe. And first of all, prayer must come with faith. Faith that God knows what's best and that God will do what's best and, and God is going to work. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So we can come boldly unto His throne of grace and we can find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And as we come to His throne of grace and we bow before Him and pre present our petitions to Him, hey, He said, have faith, believe that not not only am I real, but I will reward them that diligently seek. Notice 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if, he hear, and if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. 
So uh, then, then he says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you, all, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So here's the parameters. F- have faith. Believe that God is and that He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Pray according to His will. See, the Bible says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your own lust. You ask to satisfy your own desires. Well, God said, if I, if I see this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Let's check it out. This would be pretty cool. Let's see what I can do. Please remove that mountain and cast it into the sea, but please cast it far enough so it's not going to create a tsunami to kill us all. Didn't happen. You know why? Because that would, that would kind of stoke our ego or make us feel good. But if there was some purpose to it, some real purpose, if there was some purpose that would really bring honor and glory to God, then it'd be according to His will. So we ask for things according to His will. Then He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we ask of Him. Notice the last thing he said uh, there in John 14, uh, verses 13 and 14. He said, ask in my name. See, when we pray, when we pray and we close the prayer and we say, in Jesus' name, amen. When we invoke the name of Jesus, it's as if we wrote out a petition to God and Jesus signed his name to the bottom of it. That kind of puts a little more responsibility on us to make sure that we're praying for things that Jesus would ask for, right? So we need to be serious about our prayers. And we need to ask for things that are according to His will. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is His will that people get involved in the work of God. There are many things that God wants to do. Some things, that, some things we pray for, uh, God, God will do it because He wants to increase our faith in Him. As, we, as we've been uh, ministering out here, we've seen God work one miracle after another, after another, after another. It's been amazing to see God answering prayer. Prayer that was prayed according to His will in His name, believing that He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Jesus said, if you, believe, if you have faith and doubt not. James says, ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Look at this takeaway number three and we'll be finished. There's no limit to what Jesus can do in and through a person that's completely yielded to Him. There's no limit to what Jesus can do through a person that is completely yielded to Him. If we believe God, if we believe that He's able, if we commit ourselves to live for Him, if we obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit, if we'll yield to Him in everything, we won't be faking it. He'll be producing the fruit in our life. And we'll see Him do a work that can only be described as God did it. There are too many fake Christians out there 
let's be real. Let's not be faux Christians, but let's be real. And let's, let's model real Christianity, real faith in God, and let's see God do a work that only He can do. And when God does the work, it'll be evident. See, when we work, we work. But when we pray in faith, God works. And there's no limit. He can move mountains. I'll tell you this and give you this example. I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine, uh, many, many years ago when I was a kid, our family lived up in Virginia in a, up on top of a mountain in a coal mining town. It was, it was, interestingly enough, it was the last county in America to get a red light. And uh, we, we lived there when I was, uh, from the time I was about four until I was about eight or so. And, uh, and then we moved back to Georgia and uh, a man came along and pastored the church that we had been involved in there in, in Virginia. And uh, he, he told us, he, he said that, um, he said that uh, they, had, they had a need to, they had a need to, uh, for, for some money in the church. They had a, a financial need, and they were praying and asking God to, to meet the need. And, and they, they said, Lord, you said that if we pray with faith, that, that you could even move mountains. So God, we're asking you to do a mountain-moving miracle. Just very shortly after that uh the phone uh, the pastor's phone rang and he answered it and there was a man that said uh that said i'm a i'm a a, a developer and i'm, I'm building uh, and a builder he said i'm building a, a a shopping center in the next town uh down he said but we have a problem he said we have this big hole in the ground that we need to fill he said i was driving by your church the other day and i saw the mountain behind your church and that hill behind your church has the perfect amount of dirt that I need to fill my hole. He said, I'll pay you for it. And this is how much I'll pay you. And it was the exact amount that the pastor was praying for that the church needed. Hey, God answers prayer. He's, he's miraculous in how He does it. If God's people will just believe God and pray, there's no limit to what God can do. He'll even move mountains. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You and praise You. I want to thank You and praise You for Your Word. I thank You for Your truth. I thank You that Your Word is truth. And I thank You for what You're wanting to do in our lives. Help us, Lord, to not be fake. Lord, I pray if there's been any here uh, that has been faking it, I pray that today we'll get real. I pray that we'll decide that from this day forward, we're going to be, we're going to be real about our Christian life, that we're going to serve You uh, with... Uh, from our heart that we're going to be we're going to be genuine in our service for you please show us those areas of our life lord every one of us has areas where we've been fake we've been hypocritical we've had iniquity in our lives and given into it lord we're guilty please forgive us will you expose those things to us as we as we pray and ask you right now and then lord help us to be humble and to respond to you in the way you deserve, and help us to confess those things and to forsake them, and to get our lives right with you, and to serve you. Lord, you're so good to us. 
You're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't deserve your goodness. We don't deserve uh, your forgiveness, but you offer it to us anyway, and we want to say thank you. Help us, Lord, to be fruitful Christians. We look forward to all that you're going to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name.